Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with J.B. Benjamin, CEO of Cryotech and creator of Vox Messenger on how technology is transforming our world and the challenges and opportunities that this represents. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My guest today is JB Benjamin, CEO and founder of Cryotech. Welcome, JB. Hi, how's it going? Great to be here. And we're talking today, this is going to be an interesting uh, conversation. We're talking about the societal impacts of emerging technologies, and we've actually been talking for the last 25 minutes about is getting ready, psyching ourselves up for the conversation. Um, but really looking at examining the ways that, that tech is transforming our world and the challenges and opportunities that they present. So I, I know I gave you the brief you know, introductions. Why don't you give us the longer version of that? Okay, so uh, I mean, it was an awesome introduction, to be fair. But yeah, uh, I'm JB. Um, I am a child of the 1980s. I've got three. I've got three companies actually, not just Cryotech. Cryotech is my first company. It specializes in cryptography and encryption. It's where I created the world's first post quantum encrypted video chat messenger, which is Vox Messenger. Now, as you know, we got about you know 80,000 users and and you know, and growing in over 100 countries around the world. So we're getting there. You know, we haven't got. Uh, we haven't got the same sponsors, VCs, and back-end people as who, who sponsor like you know WhatsApp and Sig and all that kind of stuff. Um, the buzzword post-quantum, just to break it down for everybody, what it actually means is that we're using lattice-based cryptography, which is about two to three hundred times stronger than um, elliptic curve, which is the current standard used by Signal, WhatsApp, and all of the other platforms out there. You know, except Telegram, who like you know encryption is optional. You know those guys. Um, mm -hmm. So we've got that. That's part of our whole ecosystem. We've even got our own social media net, social network called Box Alive, which is you know, kind of like our version of Facebook, which has got zero ads and zero chance of Cambridge Analytica ever, ever happening again. Sorry, Zuckerberg, but yeah, that is about you. Yeah. Um, we Basically, the whole objective of Cryotech is to replace all of the current social media and communications networks with versions which are actually not just... Uh, usable for users, but provide a way for users to own, not be to not be chained to one platform and to own everything that is theirs, their messages, their content, everything. Then you know, give them an environment that allows them to protect themselves free of the platform. Um, also, our platforms are not based on ads revenue. None of our business model is based on ads revenue generation because you know it's a personal decision. I absolutely hate ads in anything that I do. Sorry, Google, but I'm not paying for YouTube premium just because you started putting bloody ads in there. It's not going to make me do it. Um, and I also cannot stand the thought of exploiting people's data. Bear in mind, personal user data is kind of like your digital soul. Hmm. And exploiting it without your permission kind of feels like the transatlantic slave trade to me, just with fewer fewer steps and in a more digital context. You are stripping somebody of, their, of a form of their identity and then making money from it, exploiting it and using it for other things sometimes leading to your own in future behavioral control um so that's cryotech being being busy being around a bit seeing a lot of the tech world and then there's the gin technologies where we've got a my volumetrics company where we're solved we've created markerless camera sync and we're basically trying to simplify the 3d scanning process because again think of in the 3d space we have the metaverse and we have digital twins and the world is moving to a whole 3d variance of itself the problem with this is becoming hyper elitist with the cost of sensors and the technology and adoption becoming incredibly difficult to engage with so we're making 3d streaming and scanning so easy that you know anybody could do it anybody would be able to put themselves into the metaverse and be able to monetize their 3d data and not just that you won't have to invest in a 1500 iphone to do so which is currently one of the main constraints in adopting 3d and vr and then there's my third company gorgon black box where we basically try to we license that technology that we're building in these other companies and we make sure that we can apply it to to personal protection and security as well and we can also monitor its utility being where it's being used elsewhere because if you're going to build technology, which is incredibly useful, you also have to be aware that people are going to do some crazy stuff with it. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like when you're a parent, you have a kid. And if your kid goes out there and becomes a serial killer, I hate to say it, but maybe just maybe you should be the one to go like, go get it. So, you know, and it's the kind of the same thing with my tech. 
I mean, we're building an AI at the moment for Vox Messenger, which is tra being trained on the uh, post-quantum encrypted patterns of certain types of pornography and terrorist content. So that as opposed to having to give up keys to everybody's messaging, which is what all the governments say they, we need to do to ensure right. our safety against those adrenochrome human trafficking people, which seem to be the same people telling us that they need those keys, seemingly. Mm -hmm. um, we're actually providing a system that is actually looking for the patterns of it in encrypted data. This means you don't have to give up people's data. You don't have to give up people's security. You don't have to give up the, you don't have to subsume the security of everybody because some people are complete and utter a-holes you know or just plain evil so everything we do with all the companies i'm working on the companies are working on yes they are for profit but i'm trying to work in a way that does not come at the cost of humanity not my consumers or my own you know what's it it's something uh, around all of this that's interesting we were talking about briefly before we started recording is that you know one thing that has certainly changed over the last decade is that people have become more aware of what is being tracked that mm. they are they are a product you know that they are being abused uh, across these different platforms and yet like i uh, honestly i mean i'm i've been aware of a lot of that i'm one of those people that i'm very sensitive i do try to monitor like with facebook i'm on there because from my work and the promotional of you know as a content creator to promote content like I am a, a premium YouTube you know, person because of the work that I do. Um, yeah. Same with, with Twitter, I uh, refuse to call it X. Uh, same with, uh, you know, Twitter. right. But it, I, so I'm not on TikTok. Um, that's something I've had a number of people that have been was like, why aren't you on there? I'm like, well, for a whole lot of reasons. Maybe I set up on a burner phone and set up a separate <laughs> profile that way. Um, yeah. But because I, I I am sensitive to the changes, when Facebook makes a change in their policies, I go and look at make sure that, you know, my none of the, the settings that I've set have been modified by that new change. Um, so I'm I, I do on a regular basis, I'm out looking, I look at my credit, I'm, I'm very sensitive to where my data is, I get the warnings that I have a junk email that occasionally shows up out on the dark web and I go and try and clean things up kind of that, that kind of stuff. People are kind of tuning in to that reality and making changes, not enough, not fast enough, but I think that opens up the door for solutions like yours, where people that are aware of the, the abuses and, and are trying to make changes. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as with all things, the for the longest time, messaging and communications have been dominated by several platforms. And if you look at this dominance, they have ostensibly not innovated the space. I mean, if we look at pretty much all messengers and all platforms, they all pretty much look the same as MSN Messenger. Just the difference being is you can't DDoS your mates by pinging them all the time like we all did on MSN Messenger. We, well, okay, that's some gen, some Gen X stuff to explain to some of your younger yeah. Gen Z listeners. I, you know what the best feature was? Just the It was the cyber stalking. Being aware, I would get a notification when my friends logged in yeah. and I'd suddenly message them. They're like, yeah. how did you, I'm like, I just popped in for two minutes to get yeah. email. How did you know? I'm like, oh, it was just a lucky guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's MSN messaging running on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. Seriously. You can have so much fun with that. I mean, bear in mind, but with all those systems, they never really changed. Unfortunately, they didn't really try to innovate, but the reason being they didn't try to innovate is because they were making so much money off of your digital self. Facebook, Google, Apple, Twitter, they all make inordinate amounts. I mean, we're talking about like tens of millions of dollars just from your data. So I'll give you a functional example. You are talking to your friends on WhatsApp and you're talking to them about the latest Nike trainers or some other materialistic BS that you've been programmed to do because of all the advertising that you watch because you watch TV for whatever freaking reason. You'll then notice on Facebook, you'll go straight on there and you'll blast with ads about these trainers. You go onto your Google search engine, ads. they probably, now with the Google search engine, it's gonna do something a little more interesting because Google knows about everything you search for 
oh yes. So this will probably maybe bring in some like sexy looking women in with your ads about trainers and ads and starts bringing your other interests into play. Now, what this does is it creates an environment which effectively sits there and tacitly kind of manipulates you into buying this product, this item. How did they do it? Now, you're thinking to yourself, but how does this mean Facebook make a load of money? How did Because Facebook hand that information off to Google and all of these other people in a process that is called ads retargeting. And they're all paying each other for this privilege. And this all happens and is scaled across every single part of your browser experience, across your phones, across your smartwatches, across your desktop, across your VR, across everything that you're interacting with. Now, when you scale this up, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, why does this really matter to me? It matters to you because from in, from just very few data points about your life, they can work out, they can actually get to know you better than your wife knows you. They'll get to know you better than your parent knows you. They know everything about you. They even know how you talk to your Alexa when you're pissed off, when you come in because you've had an argument which the Alexa is able is actually privy to because Alexa listens to everything and feeds the AI that information. You are literally a walking talking, seeing, hearing, eating, breathing, defecating product. Now, this is actually reinforced in a very interesting way by a patent that Microsoft filed just at the start of the pandemic, which was a patent for a, for a cryptocurrency that is mined by proof of work by generation of human activity. And it hypothesizes a system in which you effectively become the machine. It is the ultimate in commoditization of yourself. And by the way, I'm, I can share the uh, patents with you. It's very interesting. Uh, it contains three numbers and actually come up to 666. I jest you not in this patent. Seriously, sorry, Microsoft, you could not have picked the worst day, the worst patenting number to accidentally get generated for this one freaking patent. But yeah, it is, it is, I mean, on, actually on the, when you look at it on itself, it's not actually a bad patent application itself. It's about how you, if theoretically, if you went and did some work, your work would be literally literal proof of work for a proof of work blockchain that you could earn cryptocurrency from. The problem with it is who will adopt it and how it will be used. I mean, some of the, imagine one scenario, you could combine Neuralink with a system like this and have Neuralink operate in such a way that it tracks all your neural and physical activity and say, maybe you don't get to get your universal basic income because it's tracked that you didn't physically jump up and down enough or maybe you don't get your universal basic income because you didn't jack off enough to the ceo of twitter making some statement whichever way you manipulate it, it i didn't know you could get paid for that first off but yeah okay go actually no, no apparently no, you can have you not seen that demonstrated or a no. twitter plus that's what twitter no. plus is it's just a circle jerk of, of like <laughs> friends and I other friends Elon <laughs> now i was aware from uh from one of my sons who uh found that the, there's actually a company that will pay you to defecate i i that, that i was aware of but oh my god well, actually my daughter did tell me that i should actually look at making more money on feet finder the other day she was like you're worried about vcs dad just put your feet on feet finder there's loads of weirdos out there they'll love your feet dude dad just yeah. put them on there. you'll have your investment all day i'm like oh my yeah. god really? yeah and then you have to report back to them and <laughs> yeah you report that on your yeah. irs yeah tax. yeah feet finder income <laughs> um, well, the thing yeah. with the back to what you were saying the technology hasn't innovated and hasn't changed from that and the reason being is the money is incredibly easy for these people to make if money is easy for people to make and the cost of violation of your of the regulatory standards are small there'll be no impetus to change now, if we look at cambridge analytica the fines for cambridge analytica given the amount of money that facebook makes were infinitesimal. Yeah. It's like the fines given to Apple and other people. These fines represent probably, I think these fines represent less than 1% of their total income. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to make people feel the pain of violating regulatory systems, you need to be going after 80 to 90% of their profits in that entire financial well, year. You also have to remember that a lot of what they were doing was not illegal at the time. I mean, you have uh, you know, Obama here in the US um, successfully used this, this systems twice using Cambridge Analytica, using Facebook, and pioneered a lot of that stuff. But you're in the UK, it was illegal. And the DPA and G. Right. And the I'm not. I'm, I'm saying not everywhere. I uh, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, but but uh, the, also that the laws weren't as comprehensible what we know. So some people that get upset that the damages weren't more that the 
the uh, you know is the fact that the laws were not as broad people didn't understand how a lot of this technology worked and how much they were leveraging so the laws are strengthened now against the future better against the future cambridge analytica than it was when it was happening okay the reason i disagree with that is because as a fellow as a fellow participant of the it natives you, we all remember big bad microsoft i'm not talking about microsoft under satya nadella which is just i'm gonna call it like it is microsoft under satya nadella is just fucking awesome um microsoft under bill gates it, yeah it was the big bad literally was and there was a reason for this he was basically trying to gobble up everything now there was the big eu landmark eu antitrust case which was internet explorer versus firefox and everybody else basically mm. so for, for the eu and other countries to state that they were unaware of how co corporations could use people's uh use their market position to force people into decision making i think is incorrect because we saw it with microsoft and internet explorer actually and that's why the first initial phase of eu or eu laws were put in place now under the eu and uh britain at the time what fa facebook did was most definitely illegal but the reason they ostensibly got away with it is because all of the antitrust laws from get-go despite all of their prior history with microsoft and then google by the way before mm. even this point right oh and apple and apple's being folded into that right that's all that's underway right now yeah bear in mind they they never made the important changes which is one key thing which is that these companies are making tens of millions of dollars a minute not a month a minute off of revenue they're generating from ads which basically means their value is a constant constantly fluctuating point so it becomes realistic as a regulatory body to say given that we know you're making insane amounts of money at any given volume we're coming after you in that one given year of violation but it's going to be a big come after now if they actually said to these companies we're coming after 80 percent of your net profit these watch how quickly these companies will sharpen up especially if they actually see it happening and this is the other problem all of these companies are so disproportionately big and powerful and have all the best lawyers it means they lobby what do they do they lobby a lot yeah. and if you want to get anything done in the united states the united kingdom you you lobby you lobby some people basically and then it's whoever's got the biggest purse strings who wins and that's the reason why you see i'll give you an example ireland are still chasing the money that they have fined apple three times for they're never gonna see it yeah because they ain't got no teeth it's like the united nations have shown themselves in the international community in the international scene and stage to be toothless like every big organization that is meant to set these safeguards in place for the things that we do especially as corporations and they've all shown themselves to be actually in real working terms toothless and this that basically means what do you do to rein them in you have to pray that other companies come up that can create competing products that can try and undo some of the damage that they're doing and this is again this is where lobbying comes in big companies like for example tesla or elon musk will lobby the government the very governments that gave him huge handouts huge tax breaks and freebies and then turn around on a dime and say oh this is really bad for the people this is really bad for the public you all this taxpayer money being used for these subsidies let's not have any other companies come up doing that please which is in itself anti-competitive and anti-massively uh, monopolistic and, and uh, this is the reason why i've already made the commitment with all of my companies which is that when each of my companies go gets to a billion dollar value I'm no I'm not going to be CEO I'll have no direct or indirect control all of administrative all control of the companies are going over to AIs so there will be no ability for anybody be it shareholder or investor or government entity to subvert the technologies that we're building here because ostensibly why am I building the stuff that I build it I'm building it to help humanity I'm not interested in colonizing Mars colonizing Venus or colonizing Saturn we've got people here now that need help and these companies are making so much money the scarcity argument falls flat in this space when you see the pure volumes of money being moved around the world right now yeah. you know well you've talked a bit about, you know, about what you're doing with the company my next question was going to be about like where is the opportunity and you you've talked about it is these is companies to go and build solutions that promise not to break these rules to to build that trust with with consumers with people so what what do you how do you envision the next decade around this opportunity building out? 
Um, well, there's a lot of markets, uh, different markets, impetuses happening all over the place at the moment. You got to, if you, the biggest underlying thing at the moment, driving a lot of investment and funding and the directionality of innovation in the technological space is artificial intelligence, you know, LLMs, generative AI, and AI and machine learning. The problem is, is that because we're in a period of war in Europe and war in the Middle East, a lot of this technology and funding is being pushed in a very specific, I wouldn't call overtly humanitarian focused directionality, unfortunately. Mm. And the, and I see, I was, given the amount of money that is being spent on weaponized AI by the US, by the Brit, by the United Kingdom and Europe around the world, I don't see that changing, not in the near term, unfortunately. Um, and a lot, and unfortunately, and the big tech companies who we've just been unfortunately talking about are all the very same people involved in this as well, which means. Uh, the people who are being left out are the consumers. It's the it's humanity in the in the middle of all of this. So how does one do how does one do this? Well, I'll give you an example. A cryotech from where from the very first day it was founded, I created a manifesto, kind of like a series of things that were always going to hold true inside of the company, like humanity before uh, profit, privacy before profit, ecology before profit, ethical. Uh, artificial intelligence pathway to type two civilization these are things where we focus on the core humanity here on earth right here and now and we're not saying that we are making bets on a future fantasy civilization that isn't here and would have and we have to invest everything into instead i'm investing the time and energy into the here and now so what i'm hoping is with the release of Vox Crypto, Vox Messenger, and all of these other products and platforms that we can, we're working towards our 2030 objective in all of my companies. So uh, what's the 2030 objective? The 2030 objective is that on the 5th of November, 2030, a Vox Crypto will be spinning up an automated smart contract, which is linked to our tokenized security, which is being uh, launched next year. And what this smart, this automatic smart contract is going to do is spins up a a multi-signature wallet which is going to automatically be taking in profits from our products and companies into this wallet which is then redistributed to everybody who is using box crypto and box messenger as a form of universal basic income we're not going to be asking people to scan their eyeballs we're not going to be asking anybody for any of that crazy ass lunacy because it's not Actually necessary if you're really intending to provide universal basic income you can actually just use on-chain kyc and aml which is what we're already building into in our next release of vox messenger um we have already done the projections on what our company can do in terms of revenue generation and it's, yeah it's it's comparable to the revenue of our competitors and more once we start spinning out certain things actually so we already made the decision from very early on that we would have to find a use for this. I'm not somebody that wants to make money for no reason and wants to make money just so I can, you know, maybe get a free ticket to the Bohemian Grove or anything like that. That does not interest me in any shape or form. Money has to have a purpose if you're going to generate it, because, you know, what's the point otherwise? So my purpose is to, it's actually a really, it's, it's not altruism, actually. It's a very, it's a zero-sum calculation. If you take care of your consumers, which are humanity, they will consume your products. It is a no-brainer, you know. It's, yeah, you talk about um, weaponizing AI. Uh, you know, I mean, my first thing I think of uh, is that that uh, episode of Black Mirror with the robot dogs that are hunting the humans across the landscape. And if you've not seen that, people, if you want, like, I love the. Uh, in fact, at this conference I was at in Amsterdam a couple of weeks back. Uh, there was a vendor there, Veeam, that had one of those little, uh, uh, you know, Boston Analytics dogs yeah. thing, and and uh, I just well, dynamics, it, yeah, it, yeah. I, I I just I think now of of that episode of one of those things wielding a knife, hunting down people in the warehouse, you know. So, but what does it actually mean? What does that look like today? Well, the I believe if I. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I'm pretty certain about this, but uh, the New York police are already using Boston Dynamics robots. They already said if there is a shooter scenario or there is a hostage scenario in a suburban area or a potential bomb threat, they will actually send a Boston Dynamics dog there with with an actual scanning system and a gun and all these kinds of crazy stuff, which is which is really cool. If your law enforcement can be trusted and is. Mm -hmm 
operating in a manner that is ethical, moral, non-biased, institutionalized in a certain kind of set of things. I mean, here in the United Kingdom, they've been using AI without any form of public consultation or oversight to automatically allocate people as potential gang members. I'll give you an example. Uh, if you're in a if you're in a black dominated neighborhood and you're like you're going you're, you're on your way to secondary school, bear in mind chances are you, there is a high chance you have nothing to do with gang related, but somebody you know or maybe associated may do. They'll pick you up. They'll take a clone of your phone and they'll go through every single thing on your phone to see who they can connect you to. You can only be six or seven years old, but then you automatically get put on that gang related task list for life. I mean, we in here in, up the road from where I live in Coventry. We have Britain's very first 24-7 drone surveillance operating. And it hasn't decreased crime whatsoever. You yeah, know, it's already to the hilt, just cameras everywhere. I mean, it's it's like the internet. You, you go into like just UK CCTV feeds. Yeah, more cameras per person than any other country in the world, even the United States. Which is just you know. crazy to think about that, but... I've always uh, like I, I say good luck with that in the Western U.S. You can probably do that in the Eastern U.S. It's just much more dense, but there's no way out west here. One of a future product that we are very passionate about. How, I'll give you an example. When we build a system, we will also work out how you would take out that system as well. So, I mean, bear in mind, Elon Musk and Boring released the uh, released what was it? A flamethrower. Just maybe Cryotech will release a personal handheld handheld EMP system. Yeah. It's only for shits and giggles, isn't it? I just, I, it makes me think of like, uh, you know, the the movie Tron. Say, I'm waiting for that version of it. I'd, 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 I'd be happy with that version of it. Get down to the game grid, destroy it from the inside that way. Unfortunately, it's, <laughs> unfortunately, it's a lot crazy in that. Okay, so this is the thing that which is going to really hinder a lot of people, unfortunately, which is that a lot of us are still thinking in kind of the 20th century way, which is that we basically say to ourselves, the platform is responsible for us. It's responsible for our security. It's, it's responsible for our well-being. Now, the, the caveat when we do this is that we will give up everything to these platforms and they will give us something in return that makes our lives better or more, more joyful. Now, the reality yeah. is for, for anybody that's used TikTok, Facebook, or has kids who use these platforms is the reality is it's just giving everybody nothing but social, uh, nothing but mental well-being issues, not solutions. Right. Correct. So we get so basically, not only do we get our digital selves ripped off, profit and commoditized, and turned for profit, and none of it comes back to us, we also get given lots of mental health issues. It's beautiful with what we're building. We're trying to basically make it so all of our platforms do give back in some way. You know, that's the reason why we're building these smart contracts. This is the reason why we publish our accounts and are transparent in everything we do, and we also welcome us. I welcome everybody to question me personally and individually. You know, I'm not one of these CEOs that says that um, there is that I can't be questioned or what I'm doing. If you cannot question your a CEO or a tech leader or somebody who says they're an innovator about what they're doing and why they're doing it, you should be really worried. Yeah, you know. Well, there's that's I, one thing I'm happy with. So again, for full transparency, I'm on the advisory board for a uh, you know a vc funded startup that is a blockchain ai based that's looking at breaking down the duopoly of facebook and uh, uh and google for the advertising purely on the advertising side of it but the whole premise of that and uh, you saw more of this in fact i was at a conference uh in here in the salt lake city utah area uh, called silicon slopes um, they have an annual event. And back in 2018, 2019, they had about a third of the event was blockchain. If you remember, that was when it was kind of 28, 2019, kind of the, the height of that b b before. And I say, well, a lot of the well yeah. And a, a lot of it, as we were talking before we started recording, is like a lot of it was the hype around the crypto side versus the blockchain as the as the underlying technology side of that and uh, so i've always been very strong advocate of the technology aspect of, not on the hype on the mm -hmm. the, the the cryptocurrency that side yes fomo stuff basically. right right yeah so but besides that and, and i yes i also own some dogecoin but it's all it's i, I i'm you know it's making money right now so i'm okay no Bitcoin, but uh, btc <laughs> uh 
But so much of that, what was great about that event was that there were a number of speakers that talked about, it was the focus of so many of those sessions was on giving control of your profile, of your data to you. And yeah. if you want to allow, like if you're foolish enough to go use TikTok today, you're doing it knowing you're handing your data right over to the Chinese. Like it's just, we know that it's fact. Um, but what we don't know is all of these other systems. There needs to be truth in data usage. There needs to be, and, and so, and I love that idea of, I'm okay with my data being used, anonymized, but in some different ways, but I mm -hmm. should be compensated for that. Yeah. And so to create these models, I think that's where so much is opportunities. It's what's this other startup that I participate in. Sounds like some of what you're focused on doing, again, is giving people control, giving people uh, a choice over how their data is being used, but then as it's being monetized, if it's being monetized, that the content creators, the data creators, the individuals benefit from that. They receive something for that data usage. Absolutely. I, I love that vision of the future. It should be, it should always be a reciprocal event. I mean, the other thing that is, I'll give you an example, because everybody is so reliant on platform, you know, that 20th century thinking of platforms being responsible for everybody, that uh, they forget their, the, the importance of themselves. In the Web3 world, in the 21st century paradigm, you are literally the core of the universe in a sense, because your personal identity, your digital identity has such high value in the digital world around us. Now, because of that, that basically means you're also responsible for your own security. You're responsible for maintain, for understanding the technology. It becomes on you. It becomes actually you, the responsibility falls on you actually to make sure that you understand the environment in which you are existing in with the technology as well. But this is where they also dupe us a, a lot of people in a sense, because bear in mind, for the longest time, we've been taught to unconditionally trust everything, haven't we? It's a very new way of thinking for a lot of people. Bear in mind, people like me in my younger days were considered were called like nerds and weirdos because you know we just we dared to do things like hack computer systems, yeah. pull the threads that underlie reality around us, and ask the questions that others didn't. Yeah, that to to back in my day, that was just called you know science. But nowadays, it's, you know, we were taught. People, bear in mind, my background is really different. I wasn't, I didn't go to school in a, didn't go to state school. I was homeschooled, home tutored. And I was being brought up on Descartes and Baudrillard from an incredibly early age. I was living in Birmingham on a council estate. We were getting involved in freeing the Birmingham Six and protest marches from a very early age. I was not trained. I was not, I didn't go through the school system, which I discovered, I became a, a senior lecturer of computer science a few years back, teaching computer science at Ravensbourne, my old alma mater. And one of the things I was shocked by was how these, you know, young adults who are like, you know, between, you know, 18 and 25 are needing to be told how to do critical thinking and research. Yeah. I mean, you know, like. That's a problem you, over here as well with the school. They system. need to be, they would have to be so handheld. I mean, there's a reason why on TikTok, there's a meme going around that if you, if the world ends and you want to get something done, you find yourself a Gen Xer because it's kind of like we were the last generation that had to do, we had parents. Right. Yeah, yeah, we had parents who weren't going to like Molly Coddle us and go, "Ah, you okay, baby? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? You ain't yeah. you, ain't got, you ain't got no glass in there. You're okay. Put some Robitussin on it." And that was yeah. it. You had to, you had to. I was trying to. I was explaining to my kids like how many uh, 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 thermostats, water pumps, and even I've even bled my own brakes uh, with rotors and telephones. Right. Bro yeah, even right. those are mind blowing to modern yeah. people. Is the concept of a rotary telephone? It's, it's really logical, actually, right. if you think about actually it. Actually, lo love those videos if you get the uh, the Gen Zers that are sitting there with uh, <laughs> you know, 80s and 70s technology yeah. and trying to figure it out. And right, it's yeah, hilarious. There's a, but unfortunately, it hasn't got any better. And there's a, it, it doesn't get any better because yes, there is a reliance on technology. But unfortunately, we also have to look at the people who are in control of the technology. You know, take with with understanding comes power. With knowledge comes power. If you, I'll give you an example. Here in the United Kingdom, they have outlawed, every, you know, they've outlawed cannabis and psychotropics and stuff like that. The reason being is because you know they can make a lot of profit from it. But there's also another underlying component to it, which is that if you are somebody that is uh, more freer thinking and less constrained by the boundaries of conventional thought as pushed by mainstream media, you are more likely to question some of the things you are told, if you see what I mean. 
And so, you know, if you, and again, this comes back to what I said at the beginning of the show about Freud and Barnes and consumer capitalism, because it's actually part of that, that recipe. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things I'm confronted with a lot is this tribalism in business. Like I'm told, you know, the United States has a sanctions list. The United Kingdom has a sanctions list. But if you actually look at the sanctions list, it pretty much applies to the whole rest of the world. You know, and we're, we're moving into a reality where BRICS is very much a thing. We're moving to a reality where the gold standard, which was pretty much abandoned by the whole world back in 2002, if people actually do their research, is now being replaced by the crypto gold standard, Bitcoin. And that's why I yelled BTC earlier, because yes, Dogecoin and all of these other meme coins, they're so fantastic, they're beautiful, they're, they're so funny. Um, they hold no value. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's the no, no. Reality, there, there's know. nothing there. Right. No, yeah. That's why I've, I'm moving all my Dogecoin to Shibu. Uh, so if you don't know just, what that is, in literally years, just convert to bloody, if you're going to do that, you may as well get Pepe for crying out loud. No, no, it's, convert you know what it is. You know what it is. It's a cycle. It's like fractions of the penny a share. It's a cycle. You make money every time it goes up, it goes back down. You buy again, you sell, uh, uh that's yeah, it. it's, yeah. it's it, nonsense. It, it's not a long-term moneymaker thing. So it's not a exactly. real thing there's no work being performed there's yeah it's it's no all vaporware there's no yes. value yeah and this is the reason i'll give you an example the way in which all of my companies were founded um i i myself went through y combinator i'm a y combinator startup school alum um i went i got ranked on pioneer european startups and the thing i learned with all of these is they're very conventional ways of doing business where you do things like i'll give you an example if you listen to y combinator and pioneer you wouldn't go build vox messenger and just throw it out there and just build it and go, screw you all. Everybody wants encryption, really. They just don't know it yet. And you just throw it out there. No, you wouldn't. You would like defeat it at the first hurdle where people are like, why would you do it? There's WhatsApp and Signal. We don't need it. And you wouldn't do it, which is exactly what I had. But the instead, I looked at what is it actually people are not. Uh, you have to understand that when you're designing a product, you don't necessarily look at what you're being told is needed. You actually experience life, go out there and actually see what is needed for yourself. Right. If you right. see what I mean, don't, don't look at trends. Don't keep resetting all of your decisions on Gartner, you know, Gartner reports and stuff like yeah. that. Well, you, you, you do, also can't set your vision based on entirely on what competitors are doing because yeah. competitors could be doing. Well, I, I always used to call it uh, going plaid. If you're familiar with the uh, the very important American film, uh, uh, the uh, uh, now, of course, it just slipped my mind. Uh, I'll have to edit this portion. Um, um, crap. Um, just a second. That's fine, man. That's actually Let me fine. look it up here. Um, yeah, it's fine. I do that all the time. But my excuse is I smoke trees of weed. So I don't know what your excuse is. <laughs> there, there we go. It's the movie Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yeah. So oh classic. It's yes. an important American film, of course. It literally so, is. It's right. important so, yeah. so in in the movie, the, the heroes at one point they they're setting their their uh, their computers to jump into hyperspace, and Spaceballs, the bad guy with a with dark helmet man, uh, they miscalculate and they overjump them, and it, they go it's like, look, they've gone plaid, making fun of the whole hyperspace yeah. you know yeah. thing, whatever. They've gone plaid. And I used to talk about this all the time about how jumping to hyperspace, if you are a fraction of a degree off, you know, that's billions of miles away yeah. from the, the actual destination if you're wrong on that. And so that's the problem with you can have competitors that are mostly right, but could be off. They could be going plaid and mm. And there's, which opens up opportunities. And so we that's have a massive example, actually. Sorry to interrupt, but we actually yeah. have a really good example of this. If you look at OpenAI, everybody thought, oh my God, we love OpenAI. They've got for $20, we can, we can build a business on their API key. Yes. Um, forgetting all the time that they were just running a business model that is exactly the same as Amazon Marketplace, if you think about it, because that's what Amazon did. Amazon invited everybody to the marketplace, said, make your money they learned how they made their money and then they pretty much then closed the gate on them and look at what's been announced by open ai 
pretty, they're now basically saying to everybody, uh, be aware that your business is running on the API, API key will become unfeasible because you're going to have to put everything on our marketplace, which means those people who learn all of those VCs were like wetting themselves like, oh my God, AI companies. Yeah, yeah. I really hope they check the small print to make sure it wasn't just built off the open API key like Grok. Like, bear in mind, Grok AI, they're claiming that it's actually through data contamination in the main data, you know, user base of data in the world. But the fact that it actually directly pinpoints the open API key as a uh, API and its rules and regulations as a restriction and it's up to date kind of belies that a little bit. It's kind of like how OpenAI have just kind of made the big example of BitDance. BitDance, the uh, owners of TikTok, trained their AI using OpenAI. Now, the great thing about Microsoft and OpenAI is that they say to you, you're not allowed to build a competitive product. It actually says it right there. Yeah. In the terms and conditions that you're paying $20 a month for, you're not allowed to build a competitive or pretty much any real commercial product from this thing. So, yeah. 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 So, and So all of these people have done exactly that. But unfortunately, look at the VC market. You know, look at the marketplace. We have a marketplace that supported WeWork and that dude twice. So it tells you everything you need to know. There's no real, I mean, I'll give you an example. When, when we're doing the financial modeling for my companies, when we're looking at it, we have this discussion internal debate a lot because when we look at the financial modeling, we're going to put it there to the investors. When you start looking at it, especially over five years, you're like, oh my God, this is kind of like unicorn territory, guys. And, and then you have to, and then I point out to everybody, yeah, but there's a lot of things that can happen in that timeline. Why are we saying, why would we say this to investors? Why would we actually go with the most, I mean, I don't peddle the most positive financial model. I positive my least positive financial model. I try to be an absolute freaking realist. You know, so people are like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's going to do this and it could do this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we're not having that. No, 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 we're not using that language here because it builds unrealistic expectations. And not only does it build unrealistic expectations, it reinforces something I really just don't, I don't agree with, you know, which is building building values on literally no value, yeah. you know, that yeah. made up thing. Bear in mind, all, my, all financial models are, is made up ultimately, you know. That's, uh, I, I think it's a great way to, to, to sum this up. I mean, talking about yeah, we, we've gone back, uh, we talked about a lot of topics under and talked about the societal impacts of a lot of this technology. And it really comes back to, and I would say this is a, like an old school trait of starting a business. You have to show that you've delivered value. Yes. That yes. There's too, far too much vaporware. You think we would have learned on the dot-com bubble bursting that, yeah. and that was frustrating, it, trying to raise money for a software company at the time, my own startup trying to raise, we were just at the tail end of that, that bubble and seeing these people that had an idea written down on a napkin, get multi-million dollar funding. So like, you know, we're like, we, yeah. we have an actual product. Don't get we me started. Customers using that. the product. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dude, just to put in perspective, when I was a part of Y Combinator startup school, I already had 5,000 users of my app out there and I still couldn't get accepted into their get funded bracket. Why? Yeah. Because I was told I was too nonconformist, too unlikely to play ball with people. Because every time we'd have conversations about the militarization of my tech, I'd be like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, no. So, and, and, and again, unless you're willing to play ball, unless you're willing to support this system that is literally working together to literally just turn consumers into a product which self-consumes itself negantropically for a few group for a few people to make a, a load of money on no i can't be part of that i mean bear in mind cryotech way back when in our history we had we had an investor almost come on board who would have put in about 20 mil into the company and i said no because even i found i had been the person who brought him to me had been not quite entirely straight about his sec uh violations but the general consensus I was given was, well, JB, you need to understand, man. You need to be flexible. There's a lot of, this happens a lot. It just means you you just wouldn't use them for your US business. And it's like, yeah, but that's all, what? Yeah, the guy's committed yeah. fraud. He got yeah. out of it because he paid the money back. I don't give a damn if the SEC were okay with it, but they still banned his ass in the US. How is, and I'm supposed to sit on a, I'm supposed to tell yeah. people that I'm being ethical and I'm being, no, not just for that money. I'd much rather wait. And I have waited. That's what I've done. It took me so many much longer years to get to this point, but it's worthwhile. I I can sleep at night. Yeah. I 
I don't have, I'm not in a situation where people, you know, can manipulate me, you know? Well, that's, uh, as we were talking about uh, the, the positive things that came out of the lockdown, the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, one being people have become more uh, you know, uh, empathetic to others and their situations mm-hmm. and, and flexibility. I mean, as simple as just online communication, uh, sitting in a, uh, I remember being ripped to shreds because I had a power outage that killed my internet service. And once that I was able to get back on is I had a couple of people that were on the webinar that were livid and just like, I was like, what do you want me to do? The power went out kind of thing. <laughs> and to, to now you're sitting on a call with somebody and a dog walks in and starts barking or a baby comes like, like that. We're just like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like just chill, just mute it. Come back when you're go take care of that. Like, like we get it. We're flexible about that. But the other side of it is that we have also become more focused on the ethics of the people we're doing business with that we're working with it's become so much more important i think that has been a massive change and now and i look i'm not against making money and for businesses to be for profit and be able to drive shareholder value and that side of it but you can do that and still be an ethics based company absolutely i mean just to let's put it this way in this world, there is a lot of ways of making money. And yes, uh, we already know that human trafficking and other uh, alternative trades make infinitely more money than anything else in the world. But the reason for that is because it's being supported by a lot of different groups, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, with all of the technology that's around, if you one of the biggest drivers of crime really in the world is poverty. You know, the lack of resource and the the world in which we operate in where we have scarcity, which is, again, result of the Freud and Barnet's consumer capitalism model, because it doesn't work unless you have scarcity. We have people fighting over an imaginary floating point of numbers. The reality is there isn't actually scarcity in this world. What we have is a um, unequal allocation of resources and an an unequal access to those resources which is reinforced by a number of the systems around us, unfortunately. And technology companies are a big player and a big part of that. I'll give you an example. When Apple doesn't pay its tax in a country that it operates in and generates billions in revenue from, when Google don't pay their tax, when Facebook don't pay their tax, that loss of income to that country is doesn't hit the government and doesn't hit the pockets of the people that these companies are making the deals with. It hits the consumer base. It actually hits the very people that they're trying to wring more money out of. In a sense, what COVID did, because COVID created this massive break in how people are forced to go into a work to work in an office, which of course builds the requirement for more and more property, which of course then creates an investment opportunity. Because that whole component there got broke, all of these, all of a sudden, the big corporations have realised they have to do a little bit more to actually start making money but unfortunately it's still coming at the cost of us and our data value our data you know if you look at for example the apple vision pro the apple vision pro headset is a beautiful piece of technology let's not go to it it's amazing what it can do the 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 ability to merge vr and ar sublime a design admittedly that was completely useless for people with my kind of hair of course because i don't know if you've used vr <laughs> yeah, i didn't even think of that yeah, yeah. No, if I know. You're using, yeah oh no using vr if you're um ethnically diverse and you have a tradition you know like your traditional natural hair yeah. it's murder i yeah. mean the i mean you're literally peeling it off your i mean the, i think the best designed one actually was the hololens 2 that one isn't so bad where but if i use my quest or anything else i rip out half my hair pulling it you know taking the damn thing off but irrespective of that yeah. the apple vision pro is a beautiful piece of kit but the big the thing that it's actually meant for is not the thing that it's being advertised for so the biggest ch- advance and in innovation in the apple vision pro is the fact that they have got an an o a visual os that is decoupled any form of um conventional human interface a mouse in fact the motion of a mouse is now done with a with a biometric feedback you tapping your fingers now for those of us who who have studied behavioral psychology studied know a bit about neuroscience we know that you're building a pattern with this which you can actually 
coerce and control and build other patterns from because what are you doing you're building a stronger neural pathway that can be actually influenced by your visual stimuli and the reason the only reason we found out the world found out about this is because the behavioral scientists at apple on the day of launch were boasting about this talking about how they discovered through this visual os and the combining of a of an actual physical movement they could actually get you to click on things and do things just by manipulating shapes and movements in your interface I mean, to to given that Apple will have access to massive amounts of data on you anyway, yeah. I think people should actually be subtly terrified about this. This is some Westworld level technology. For those of us who've watched Westworld, you'll know that the way in which they gathered their information was through the neural interface of the headband and the headsets and hats. And this all of this neural information was then used to build what? Versions of humans that they could direct market to. Now, if you've seen how that ends up in Westworld, it doesn't end well. But either way, it's all about the commercialization and productization of us. Yeah. But what can we do as individuals to stop that? Um, change platforms. Hmm. Don't you? You know, I'm not. By the way, this is not where I say use Box Messenger or Box Alive for all your needs. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what my I'm telling you now. All my shareholders are like sitting on the edge of their seat, listening to this, thinking, "Please, JB, please say it." And I'm like. No. Um, what I would actually say is diversify. Look at the products around you. Start getting educated on this stuff. Don't believe one person and think that one person and one entity and one thing is going to fix all of your, your problems because they're not. You are part of fixing those solutions. And the first thing, the first way of fixing that solution becomes, you know, it comes in the form of educating yourself on this stuff. Yeah. Read everything around you and above all question everybody and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's funny be, being in the uh, get it, working in the Microsoft ecosystem and working with a number of ISVs, uh, including my current company, and, and and people come up and say it's like look I'm I'm confused to be they, they've they've got you know three or four of your competitors and they they say similar things I said yeah they're and and why you're asking me for a comparison with our competitors I mean obviously I would then go and highlight the strengths of my product try to to mask the weaknesses of my product if there are weaknesses of my product then <laughs> no but you know, uh, it's basically just my marketing voice over the other marketing voices yeah. like you need to go as a customer of that you have to what i say again and again pilot 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 go run them because some products may again they may be two ethical companies they may have similar features and you go in and look at it they they do things a little bit differently and one may be a better fit for again i work in collaboration space for mm -hmm. the the culture of your organization and your style of working and might be the better fit but what you don't want to do is i, I i'd rather work with a company that has 70 percent of the solution than a company that has 95 percent of the solution if i know that they're abusing that data if they're an unethical company, I will go to less rich features, more ethical company. And But that's a decision you only know you can only make if you're out piloting, trialing, experimenting with this technology. And that that is the, you know, we have to do that as people and be aware of how our data. Now, understanding that the vast majority of people, if we lived in a world where the matrix was real, the vast majority of people would choose to get plugged be aware of that that i'm fine with it plug me back in wipe my mind plug me back in i'd rather have that reality but you they do it with the knowledge of they've made the decision around that like mm -hmm. i'm not against people may, using tiktok if they understand what tiktok actually is and they can go and do that i'll just choose to avoid that with my data I don't know. I mean, I'll give you an example. If as I could never, I'll give you an example. Say I to put it to take it away from the Eastern paradigm because you know that's what everybody ends up doing. They try to make it like East versus West. And as I said earlier, the reality we have to come, we have to become a lot more comfortable with some realities here. With the reality being that as businesses, we are going to have to do trade with BRICS nations. That is a cold, hard reality of how the world is moving forwards. Yeah. It, it's just this. So realizing that we also have to change some of our discussion points. It's just the same in like, it's just the same with behavioral psychology. So for this analogy, let's look at a Western paradigm. Instagram owned by Meta. This is well documented. Instagram had a ton of, did a ton of research 
on what was what the the negentropic negative effects their software and utility of Instagram was having, particularly on young females of formative age, the effects it was having on mental well-being, suicide effects, everything. And Meta actively chose to ignore it. Right. Why? Because implementing changes may mean it's going to affect their advertising ability and their ability to, to get advertising revenue from some of the youngest and most vulnerable amongst us. Now, as this, that basically comes down to, yes, you would think that regulatory bodies should be able to save us from that. But as we mentioned earlier, we've seen that even the UN and NATO are toothless and stuff. You really think a financial organization is going to be able to hold these guys to account? Yeah. I don't think so. So when you're looking at that, it means you have to start also looking. You, you can't divorce who the people are of the company from the products nowadays. You know, you just can't. You have to, as I said, it goes back to what I said before, you've got to be able to question them, question what they're at, what they're doing. And not just ethics, by the way, because it's not just about ethics. Bear in mind, ethics gets used for a lot of stuff. And, you know, it even gets weapon, ethics itself gets weaponized. Look at what's happening in the universities all around the world. Lots of kinds of things are being weaponized and ethics is being the, the core underlying component of it. Unless you're ethical, you'll think this way. Unless you're morally ethical, you'll think this way. Unless you're ethical, you'll vote that, you'll move that way. And it's being you being weaponized and co-opted. So what you have to have to start looking at is one thing. Are the people involved humane? Not, you know, not, don't look at their religious alignment. Don't look at their political alignment. Don't look at their socioeconomics. Actually look at, can you see consistently in the way in which they think and speak, do they kind of come across as humane? Are they more interested in making money or are they more interested in actually looking after humans? You know, statistically, don't just look at one, say, podcast or two. You actually look, go through these people's lives because it does have an effect. It really does. If you're somebody who's grown up in a world of privilege, there is probably a very high chance that you're going to be, you're going to look at things a little bit differently, if you see what I mean. You're not going yeah. to be looking at the every person experience. You're going to be more aligned with the experiences of the privileged and the and who have access. It's just how it is. It's not necessarily even your fault. In fact, if you're born into that, it is not actually your fault. Because when we're born, we do not get a choice in this stuff. I mean, I'll give you an example. Because of my uh, family's background on the my mother's side, the Webb family, if my my grandfather hadn't got, got into gambling, I would have come to some substantial wealth and property. But I'm kind of glad I didn't, because I've seen the results of other people who've come from that kind of privilege. And except for the one or two who somehow managed to connect with the rest of the world around them, and I don't mean those people that go bumming around the Red Cross and all those kinds of things, claiming they're doing social good with those networks. I'm talking about the people who actually interact with real humans and do stuff at ground, at actual group. You know, people who interact with the, I'll give you an example. The difference being is the person who steps over the beggar in the street versus the person who actually sits with them and has a chat with them and tries to work out what the fuck is going wrong, you know? And unfortunately, we've got the people who would much rather step over them, um, running everything yeah. around us. And then we're surprised why the why we the little people don't get any luck in, yeah. you know. Bear in mind, well, we were also taught in business, busy. Well, we're taught that CEOs have to be psychopaths to a certain extent. You know, we've always been taught that you know CEOs are these. You know, they kind of like paint the picture of a CEO is painted culturally as this kind of like this Bates, you know, American psycho kind of figure, really. And if you keep teaching people that that is what a CEO and management should be, and that's how business is conducted, that is all you're going to create. Yeah. You know. Well, that's why you have, I mean, thankfully we have leaders like, and again, I'll, I, cause I'm a huge fan is Satya Nadella. That is, you know, part of his persona is listening to, to people. Oh, look at his background. Look yeah. at this guy's background. You know, this guy, he literally worked from the, literally the very basement of the freaking company. He's done every job in the company and has worked his way up. He is literally the classic American dream story. Actually, it's actually also the classic Indian dream story. And he literally did see everything. And I got to be honest, it would have been so good if Sam Altman and OpenAI, a lot of the OpenAI coders had, and that a lot of the predominantly Tesquiel crowd had joined Microsoft, because Saji Nadella could have really kept a cap on that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. It, the, the world as it could have been. Uh, yeah. It almost yeah. was there, but. Yeah. And now look at who's on the board of directors for OpenAI. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole discussion for a whole other time. Yeah. 
Well, JB, I really appreciate your time. I know that uh, this has been, uh, again, it's, it's a great topic because I think there's a lot that we could cover. We could talk for hours oh, on yeah. a lot of the other uh, effects and, and go into specific industries and technologies, but really uh, appreciate your time today. And again, for folks that want to reach out and uh, find more information, I'll, of course, I'll have the links to uh, CrowdTech, to Vox, to kind of all the the, the other things. That and, you my LinkedIn. Companies. I and my LinkedIn. Yeah. I keep LinkedIn and my link tree updated. I'm easily accessible. Um, I don't mind people swinging me a DM on my on my on Twitter or you know my phone number is easy to find. Add my phone number and, and hit me up on Vox Messenger, and I will actually respond. Because even though I'm about privacy, I'm also a CEO of a company that have, that does stuff with data. So I can't have a private life, actually. So I'm, I know how it goes. It's just the way it is. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published weekly, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.